0: listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed being in this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional. Marty's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California Legislature. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great
1: guests, please visit kciorg slash privacypiracy.
0: Mari, what's our show about this morning? Well,
1: Lloyd, today our show is just filled with fascinating information to protect us, and we have the Privacy Professor with us. And if you haven't heard her before on our show, she's such a welcome guest. We just love her. Rebecca Harold has over 25 years of systems engineering, information security, and privacy experience as a professional. She is CEO and founder of the Privacy Professor Consultancy, and she's. Co founder and president of Simbus LLC, which is an information security profi- uh, privacy technology and compliance management cloud service for all types and sizes of organizations, and she has authored. Eighteen Technology Information Security, Privacy Compliance Books, and the most recent being the ISACA, or I-S-A-C-A, Privacy Principles and Program Management Guide. And she's authored hundreds of book chapters and published articles, and she's just filled with the most incredible, Wisdom and very, very enlightening. She also serves as an expert witness for information security, privacy, and compliance issues, and she has numerous awards and recognitions throughout her career, and she serves on many boards. She's she's frequently interviewed. We've had her on several times, and she appears regularly on an Iowa morning news television show, which actually you can see it uh, on YouTube, which I just was watching recently today. Um, she holds so many certifications that it would take me about five minutes just to read them all, but she is based in Des Moines, Iowa, and her business sites are privacyprofessor.org, rebeccaherald.com, uh, and simbas360.com, and I'm just thrilled to have you back on, Rebecca. Thanks so much for joining us.
0: Well, thank you for having me back. I always have so much fun speaking with you, Mari.
1: Yeah. You know, I, you and I were just talking about shimming, mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. we've talked about skimming before, but this was uh, a new one with all of these new credit cards and debit cards that have the chip. So would you explain how shimming works?
0: Yes, definitely. And it sounds like a dance, but it's not. Um, it's, it's basically a new way of trying to take advantage of the vulnerabilities and new technologies in that new technology is that little chip on your credit cards and debit cards. So, you know, if you've used those now, and most people um, now have replaced their Stripe-only card with the chip card. So when you use them at an ATM machine or at a... Uh, check uh, machine or any type of payment machine, you stick that into the machine and you have to leave it there for a while while it gets your, your data from it and then you pull it out. Well, with shimming, what the crooks do is they take that machine and they pry it apart and they have this very thin device that... They stick in between where your chip is on that card and the actual reader part of the machine. So in other words, they're shimming that device, that, um, that item that's going to, to take that data from the chip. They're shimming it in between there, and then they close the machine up again, and so every time someone comes to that machine, if the machine is not configured with all of the security, meaning if that machine does not also require your three-digit card number, security code number, and it's four digits sometimes. But, you know, a lot of machines don't ask for those security codes. So those machines are the ones that are at risk. So what the crooks do is they, they shim in this device. And then everyone who comes and uses that, it collects the data from the credit card. And then what the crooks do with that data is they can actually take that data and then they can go out and make their own fake credit cards. So there's um, a big criminal practice of actually creating all of these fake actual plastic cards now with the magnetic stripes on them Hmm. that contain your Stolen data from that uh, shimming device that was in there, so um, it 's starting to become much more popular, and the crooks are shimming this device into these machines in places typically farther away from where people might not see them, so you know like at um, at gas pumps, if you go to a gas pump where there 's not anybody you know, in attendance, or maybe you're on the 20th pump at the end of the row where, where it's dark and, you know, not many people can see you, it's easier for them to shim it open, stick this shim device into uh, the reader, and then when anybody else comes along then, if the person doesn't notice that that device has been messed with, because once they shim this in, you can't close that device up completely so it doesn't look like it's completely sealed like it did before they shimmed it open, then that's a a big red flag that somebody might have put one of these uh, devices in there to to suck the data out of your chip on your card if you try to use it there.
1: Yeah, so you were saying to me to just be careful when you go up to one of these machines, Mm -hmm. even maybe in the grocery store. Um, mm-hmm. just look at it and make sure it's closed. But I had a question that I just thought of. If if I have to put in my three-digit code from the back of the card, how does that protect it from shimming?
0: Well, because the device is looking for that to be entered. And the way their, uh, that chip works, you know, when you have the chip, you have the data automatically being pulled down from the chip into the card reader, but you always have to use the keypad to put the extra code in, right? Right. So that entry point where the, the numbers are keyed in for your security code, that doesn't come down through that shim device, uh, it, it is entered in through a different pathway. So that's why, you know, if if that's required to have the system say, oh, okay, this is uh, a good card, we can use it because of the security device, then, you know, the data is not going to be coming through in a way that it will be able to see it. It'll, um, In some cases, it'll be encrypted, or in other cases, it'll just jumble to a point where you can't read it. But um, it's that extra step of requiring mm-hmm. that security code to enable the data to be read from the chip. That is the key thing. And uh, researchers have shown that a lot of those readers were not created by the financial companies you know, that own them and put them out. Uh, they just decide, oh, well, we'll skip that extra step oh. because, you know, what are the chances that somebody's going to uh, do anything with this chip card anyway? Those chips are so secured now, we don't have anything to worry about. Well, um, now they do have something to worry about because <laughs> of these <laughs> these okay. shimmers that are being used. So, see, that it, these crooks uh, that are using the shims are kind of taking advantage of uh, the tendency of some organizations to think that they can skimp, uh, skimp on security controls because they don't realize what the true risks are out there if you don't have a full set of security layers in place. Wow.
1: So I'm really wondering, you know, how we've had um, all these uh, security breaches, which this obviously would be a security breach if you had, for example, all the grocery stores, you know, Mm -hmm. had this um, happen. And um, I just wonder about that. Would that be considered not a best practice that if – the, uh, the standard of these You know of these chip machines Are that you should put in that Three digit code and they mm-hmm. don't You would think there would be a lot of liability Exposure huh?
0: Oh definitely I would think so And you know it's if- when the investigation would take place, they would probably not just even go to the actual business where it's used, but they'd probably go to the vendor that provided that machine and ask them, well, why didn't you implement this um, last step in the security controls entering the code? Because if you would have... That would have stopped the shimmers from being able to gather all of this data and then be sold out on the dark web to mm. make all these fake credit cards.
1: Oh my goodness! So I just had one other question because you know you're really getting, you know getting me all excited about this. Yeah. <laughs> so what if so it wouldn't matter then if I say if I've used my chip card and mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't ask me for the three ditch code which they haven't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah then um what if i put in my three digit code would that uh, alleviate the well, problem or no not really because it's it's programmed it's be built into, into the, the program design. yeah yeah I'll it has you. to
0: be within the design of the the device that's doing the reading itself so you know, it it probably wouldn't probably give you some sort of error that you know oh, you're I hitting see. buttons when you shouldn't be hitting buttons. <laughs> right, but, right. Um, yeah. So that there's no way that the people using the machines can really fix that problem because that's an engineering problem of the folks that actually created the devices.
1: Yeah, that's another reason why to never use a debit card. You know, credit cards again. You're you're covered by the Fair Credit Billing Act. You mm-hmm. never if you see anything that looks fraudulent on your credit card, you just call your credit card company and you take care of it you're never going to be held responsible but if you have a chip in your debit card which i don't have a debit card and i never will i have a you know just a bank card that i can use an at mm-hmm. atm i can't use it as a credit card so um but i would imagine
0: they could just steal the money right out of your account right yeah just uh, just like you could with any other debit card. And and something I'm noticing, too, you know, a lot of us, I don't use debit cards either, but I know I have two uh, sons, 17 and 19, and my 19-year-old, he doesn't write checks. He says, I like to use my debit card. I like to just, you know, be able to use that, and that way I know exactly when money's going in and out of my bank account. Of course, I've had a lot of talks with him, (laughs) too, about the risks involved, and so he hears my lectures about all these risks, too. So he's like, well, I'm pretty uh, careful, Mom, so, you know, I I look out for that. But I I guess my point is I think um, other generations are using debit cards much more widely than um, than I am so and you know you and I are so uh, there might be a group out there that's pretty vulnerable if if that's all they're using our debit cards yes. as opposed to credit cards
1: yeah I had the same thing with my daughter and um, instead what she's done after she got hit with her debit card being abused fraudulently, that's mm-hmm. when she got a prepaid credit card, which is what uh, I recommend to, mm-hmm. as long, but you have to keep looking at it to make sure that you're, you know, seeing how much is on there. But a prepaid de- uh, credit card, if you're going to be careful with it, is going to be safer for fraud as long as you don't lose it and somebody else can use it, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you don't have your code uh, actually written on the back of the card so right, you don't right. forget it.
1: <laughs> right, right, right Anyway, yeah, so there's a lot of dangers And of course, you know, we're sitting here on the campus Of the University of California, so we have these young people Like your yeah. kid's age, like my kid's age And and they, you know, they aren't used They think that this is the safest thing that they can do But then, you know, my daughter ended up with fraud So, um, mm-hmm. where her money was stolen So that's why she now uses these prepaid credit cards so
0: Right, yeah, think... better safe than sorry And Not it also
1: sure. helps you to build your score score so that's another thing that young people if you're listening in on this campus you're better off getting a an atm card that can't be used as a credit card just to so you can get money out of the bank if you need it um Mm -hmm. but but get prepaid credit cards and watch them carefully and take care of them carefully and it's going to build your credit as well so oh exactly you know so that's a good thing Wow. So let's talk a little bit. You asked me to take this privacy test.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And
1: I did it like a good girl because I followed what my privacy professor told me to do. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about first what it is and then we'll, we'll do a couple test uh, questions with our audience, sure. okay?
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely. So with my Simbus 360 business, why, you know, it, as you mentioned earlier, it provides uh, services for all sizes of businesses and so on, and it provides all the things you need for a security and privacy program, such as training and pri- uh, policies and procedures and risk management. And within the risk management, why we spent a couple of years building a super automated risk assessment and then we also have another type of risk tool that we call a risk evaluation that you can ask more high level questions of to get a really quick look into the risk levels within the business and you know I've been thinking over the years as I get my friends asking me to take these online internet quizzes you know take this quiz and see what kind of dog you would be or you know What your color is. you never know. never heard it that be, one. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I turned out to be a Doberman, which is good because <laughs> I have a Doberman, so that was a perfect match. But, you know, after you take them, it's just over. And I thought, well, why don't I, you know, I could use what we spent two years making. I could use a part of our automated system, and why don't I make something similar except I would actually help the public uh, to raise their level of awareness of different security and privacy issues, and so as we were coming up on Data Privacy Day, which was on January twenty eighth, why I was trying to get it ready, and it's like, let's let me think about what are some important issues that I could put into a an evaluation, a personal privacy evaluation, to help people. To really address some of the the things that I see is something that the the public is commonly, you know, doing things that are just messing up their own privacy, and so I created this uh, nine question personal privacy evaluation so that folks can go out there and in the three different sections, I tried to put the really common mistakes that people make. So that first section has to do with using passwords and other types of authentication. And then I thought, well, why don't we you know, look at also in the, in another section, put three questions in there about daily activities, and that's where the shimming came in because most people use uh, sometimes daily ATM machines and, and self-pay checkouts and so on, but also within it I put a question on social media and also um, on communications because people are texting and, and just sending email and all that, so I put questions in that section about those topics. And then... For the third section, I wanted to hit on things that maybe they don't do every day but are very, very important to do and where I see people commonly making mistakes and, and putting their own privacy at risk. So that has to do with data disposal. data disposal has been a problem ever since, you know, you could write on paper and, right. and put it out by your curb. So data disposal is one, making backups, which people are notoriously bad about making backups of their own personal information, or if they do, they don't store them correctly, and then encryption. People don't use encryption enough, so that's kind of the background of why um, we created this personal privacy evaluation. It was for something to have fun and free to, to make available in honor of, uh, you know, Data Privacy Day, but I really want people to use use it every day, and then if I get enough people liking it, then I'll make other ones. But uh, besides that, you know, for the one to five minutes it takes to actually answer the questions, I also wanted to have something that people could take away from it. And so I thought, well, why don't we create a report to show not only the result, but also provide some graphics to show some charts. So that way, you know, people love charts. They love being measured to see where they fall and and have uh, certain uh, titles put into how well their proficiency is. So um, if you fall in different levels, you get a different level of privacy proficiency and you get a chart. And then I, I gave, along with that, some tips for each of those questions that they could use as they go forward after they've taken this.
1: Yeah, it's great. Let's try three of them. Let's try one from each of the categories and just put it out there now. Um, you oh, know, great. just yeah. let's play it, and then people who are either driving by or they're listening in on the web or something, that they can just do that, and then we'll give them the website that they can go and take this free evaluation.
0: Okay, okay sure. Okay, yeah, so definitely. let's do the first.
1: I've done this, so but that's fine because i I've, I've gotten my recommendations and everything, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so let's let's take the first one and do the ants the uh, tell what the possible answers are.
0: Okay, so uh, for the first question, well, one of the things that has been uh, done wrong by people forever is just your password format. So for the password format, the question is uh, which of the following most closely matches what you do consistently or whenever possible when you choose your password. So the first option is you use the least number of characters allowed to make them super easy to remember, (laughs) and you stick with primarily words found in the dictionary. So that's your first choice. Mm-hmm. The second choice is you use strong, long, and complex, meaning upper and lower case characters, numbers, and symbols, passwords in some places, but not all places. The third uh, option is you use those strong, long, complex uh, passwords everywhere possible for all your passwords. And then the fourth option is you use a combination of words and numbers, but they're easy for you to remember. Uh, whenever possible, so um you know it, it it's a little bit uh, easier for you to remember them from one site to another right so which one did you choose for that? I Mari? think it,
1: well, I think I chose the second one because uh, for some things i I have to admit for some things that I go on to that I'm supposed to have a password. it means nothing to me, but otherwise, I use LastPass for almost everything, so I have these really long. Mm. Passwords because mm-hmm. I just I use LastPass as my password saver and it and then they create these long <laughs> multi-character L5. things so I'm pretty good like that because sometimes if it's something really easy and I know that there's no sensitive data on there. I don't. I forget to put it in LastPass. So yeah. I, I would say I'm number two, but when I use LastPass all the time, I'd be number three,
0: right? Okay. So if you were the number three. That would be the privacy guru um, yeah. level. So that's the best. That's the best answer. Now, uh, using number two, that's still pretty good. So you're doing pretty good there. That would be considered of a medium risk because you know you are mostly doing those strong, long passwords wherever possible. But in some places, you know, you might not if, if you think the um, risk isn't as large as possible. But um, this was a question that was inspired by some recent. Studies. I mean, just um, in January of this year, why there was a Pew Research study. And it shows that, you know, the passwords are still being so easy that they're creating and uh, almost 40% of the people answering it said that they use the same password for all their accounts and they're very easy to uh, remember. And then another um, study done by Splash Data at the end of 2016 found that we're still using those same darn passwords. The most popularly used password it's still one, two, three, oh. four, five, six. Oh my God! Oh my God. <laughs> I know. So this one was kind of to hit that, and and as you saw in your report, you know, I put some of that information into the right. to the report, and then also some tips to do. So yeah, so that one you you were you know you're medium, you're not quite at the privacy guru, but yeah. I know that you in your real life are really at the privacy guru. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's fine. Yeah. So what do you think
1: about some of these panel? Password managers like LastPass?
0: Oh, gosh. You know, I have mixed feelings because um, there have been times when some of those password managers have been compromised. Right. So what I lean towards is if you use a password manager, get one that you can actually load locally or on one of your external drives and keep it so that that external drive, like your backup's, is not consistently attached to your computer. That way if something happens on your computer and you need to, to get that password, you can have that there and, you know, use another computer if you need to to get into your password. But it's also under your own physical control and and if you haven't uh, been able to tell you, you know, I, I like to have control over my data. So right, if nice. I know my password keeper is on my USB storage drive right here on my desk, and I know nobody else has access to it because it's disconnected when I don't need it, mm. then um, it's more secure than trusting a, a cloud service that has all of my passwords up there. Um, and if they ever get compromised, now if you have a password keeper service that keeps everything encrypted and they tell you, you know, we don't have the decryption key, it's up to you to make sure that you know how to decrypt this, Right. that's, that's a better one because if uh, you are still the only one that can decrypt it, even if it's in their cloud... Then you know that others aren't going to be able to get into it as easily either, and you don't have to trust the employees of the the company that right. you know they might not decide to do exploit their insider threat and go rogue on you. Yeah. So you think
1: that like having it on a your uh, like iron key or something like that that yeah. has that you just put in with a thumb drive and that's your thumb drive.
0: You can use that, and to be quite honest, I'm still using my old-fashioned, I write it down, and I keep it locked in my safe here at home. Yeah. Uh, A lot of people say, oh, you write it down. Why would you ever do that? Well, because where I'm at in my office, I'm the only one that can get into my safe, so it's pretty right, safe, right. and it's not digital, so people can't get to it through my yeah, wireless.
1: Yeah, I have that too. Yeah, yeah, I have. I have it backed up in a lock cabinet. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we we have just a let's see. Let me see how much more. Well, let's do um another one from the second thing because I think this is so fun to to just go through these and then we'll give oh, the right. website. Yeah. So we've got about three more minutes. So let's let's do one more.
0: Okay. So um how about uh, from Section three with the consistent habits, um, how about the data disposal so on data disposal check the one action or choose the one option that most closely matches what you do when you get rid of, which means you're selling it or you're putting it into the trash or you're donating it to someone, mm-hmm. whenever you get rid of your digital storage and computing devices. So choice one is you irreversibly remove all data from computing devices, smartphones and storage devices, or you physically destroy them. Mm-hmm. Two is you do not remove data from storage and computing devices that you get rid of three is you think you have removed the data once or twice that you get rid of but you don't typically remove the data Mm -hmm. and then the fourth option is you remove the data from your computing devices you sell or you donate but if you're uh, getting rid of them in other situations like you're just throwing them away you don't get rid of them so which of those four choices number one all right. Is, <laughs> you Irreversibly, that is the best one. So you're yeah. definitely the privacy guru there because if you don't get rid of that data, um, you know, others are going to be able to get access to it. And that's how a lot of crooks, they actually go through some of them, uh, go to the actual locations, you know, how you can take your electronics and dump them off in unattended areas. Well, the crooks go in there and they will get those, um, if there's not good physical security, they'll get those devices and they'll just take all of the data off of everything that they can find. So you need to make sure that you do that, and a lot of other people think, "Well, if I donate these devices well, to be not clean or- them. <laughs> yeah, but they think they will." So it's oh. like, no, no, don't don't think that others are going to clean up your data for you. You know, that's your responsibility. Well, that's perfect.
1: What a great way to end. I want you, um, please, Rebecca. Would you give the website for that that free test? Because there's so many good yeah. questions and. I think the report that you issue afterwards is wonderful so
0: yeah. oh thank you yes you go to simbus360.com simbus360.com backslash personal hyphen risk Python evaluation. It's perfect.
1: Well, we are just out of time. So also you'll go to um to privacyprofessor.org and we love you and people can find you also at our website at privacypiracy.org, and they we link to all your websites as well. So thank you, Rebecca. We'll talk to you again soon. You're terrific. Oh,
0: well, okay. thank you so much, Mari. I enjoy talking with you every time.
1: Okay, sweetie, take care. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9, FM and Irvine, and KUCI.org on the net. Thank you.
0: The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.